1: From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
2: I knew going into this, that this was a story that I wanted to tell because I saw every Black man that I know and love in these men in the words that Kemp had written, in the the emotion that Kemp had um, captured on the page. And I knew that it was my job to bring it to life. And my first thought always was, I want Kemp and every man that's in my life that I love to see themselves in this piece. So I, I think, you know, just Kemp set the bar so high and uh, he's so smart and he'd done so much research and I wanted to know that I was treating his baby preciously.
1: In choosing a project as her directorial debut, Regina King says she was enthralled by the words of One Night in Miami playwright, Kent Powers. I'm Clayton Davis. On this edition of the variety award circuit podcast we talked to regina king about one night in miami which has garnered loads of awards buzz for her breakout work that debuted at the venice and the toronto international film festivals earlier this year later in the show we also talked to angela bassett one of the voices behind the new animated pixar film soul but first our awards roundtable weighs back in on the small acts film versus tv debate Plus, whether you should watch Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day, and also our favorite holiday films. Ho, ho, ho. Before Santa arrives, here's an early present, the latest edition of Variety's Award Circuit podcast. Stay close. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Variety Award Circuit. I'm Clayton Davis, Film Awards Editor here today with Janelle Riley. Ho,
3: ho, ho. Happy holidays. You look
1: exquisite today, Janelle.
3: Thank you. I had to, I had to be all glammed up for other people. This is not for you.
1: <laughs> harsh i know jeez Ow. jazz Tenke, you look great today you look better than janelle made me feel
4: supporting my ucla tennis t-shirt i know Hell will
1: be up in the west coast and michael schneider
5: mele kalikimaka everyone here we go
1: hey hey
3: that's my thing <laughs> I'm the Hawaiian here. You don't get to, you don't get to co-opt Meli Kalikimaka. Sure I do.
5: Sure yeah, I do. Yeah, because
3: you thought of it and I didn't and I yes, no, I'm yes, mad so at myself.
5: Don't forget I'm from Hawaii as well, so. Are you really? Yeah, this is, a, are we, we going to have a personal discovery on the podcast? Right yeah, let's
3: do it. I yes. didn't know let's do it.
4: I didn't what know. Island?
5: From Oahu. I went to uh, high school in Hawaii.
3: You're kidding. Um, did anyone call you a howly? Howley.
5: Oh yeah, because I am. Ugh. Look at look at me. I am <laughs> the howliest of howlies.
3: Well, I am what they call a hapa howlie which yes. means I am half Hawaiian and half
1: whitey. <laughs> or a hapa I've never felt more left out of anything in my whole life. I know, right, Clayton. You guys are all in the like that's super like West Coast. That's like all the way over there.
5: Well, come come join us, Clayton. As a matter of fact, you are in the new year. But uh, let's kick things off by talking about the the stunning L.A. critics' uh, decision that apparently we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Small acts, film, TV show? According to the critics, I guess it's a film, but not according to Amazon. Clayton, lay it out for us. What's going uh, on?
1: Uh okay. So history was made yesterday, which was really funny. I hate that I wrote, wrote it before all the winners started being announced. Uh, LAFCA gave out their winner, their, named their best of the year yesterday. No film that has ever won Best Picture there since 1975 when they were founded has ever not received a major Oscar nomination. And then they came <laughs> and said, let's get rid of that sack completely because they gave it to Small acts. Now, what this has done uh, more broadly, I think we all have been talking about this, this conversation was was needed. The lines between film and television are blurred. And now they're completely all over the place. Uh, It would be an easier conversation to have if LAFCA had just given Small Axe Best Picture, right? And had not, in the Best Score category, given Mika Levy Best Score for just Lover's Rock. Mm. That muddied everything up. Now, I should preface it with this. LAFCA has no rules on eligibility. Janelle and I could walk in there and say we're going to vote for Citizen Kane, and we are allowed to do that. Can we enter this podcast as a film? <laughs> like, uh, we can I've do whatever,
5: large circuit podcast for your Oscar consideration. Just,
1: just do it. So, I think the argument that's been had in the like, Twitter sphere and everywhere is that Small Axe is a movie, or it's five separate movies, and I think you can have that conversation intelligently, but I think you can't say it's both. You can't say it's both one big film and five individual ones, so the elements of this and a little bit of that. And I think that's what's now made it really, really confusing.
4: I think the thing with um, the score was that Mika had only done three out of the five things. She didn't do the whole series, whereas Shabir, who was the cinematographer, did all five of those, and he's he was recognized too, right? So Yes,
1: which now presents the big the big problem here, right? Because everyone's like, can Amazon make the pivot from Emmys to Oscars? Because it's being submitted for limited series. Here's the dilemma at hand. Um, In theory, and in theory based on Oscar rules, they could make the switch, right? If they wanted to. They could make the switch. But it can't be submitted as small acts. Based on my reading of the rules, it would have to be submitted as five separate films. Which it should be. Let's which is which I, fair. If you, want to, if you want to say it's five separate films, you can do that. But here's the issue. You then have to get Steve McQueen to campaign for five separate directing things. And then you on the bigger picture, explain to Academy voters what Small Axe is and how it's Mangrove and Lover's Rock. And, the, and it just gets it really, really muddy.
5: And they cancel each other out at that point, right? They cancel, um, each,
1: they cancel each other out. But if you if you submit it as one piece, like what LAFCA did, then you have the Mika Levy problem and a bunch of other tech problems because Mika Levy didn't work on the score for everything, so who do you award best score? And now, is John Boyega a supporting actor? Because he's only in one of the five, because they're all five, separate movies. Is John Boyega now supporting? He's a lead actor in Red, White, and Blue. It, it, it now has just, like, it broke our brains.
3: Let's be let's be clear. Um, first of all, Small Acts is brilliant. Like we can all agree on that. When I when I saw Mangrove, I was like, yeah, they need to submit this as Best Picture. This should be in the Oscars. It's better than most of the movies I've seen. Small Axe is a series. Each film in that series is individual and should be. They should not be submitted as a whole because. And it's not even like they're even really connected. You know, they're connected perhaps thematically, but they don't have the same actors. They're not the same storyline. I mean. It's you can't. It's sort of like um, I saw someone compare it to the Decalogue, you know. But at least the Decalogue even has more of a theme. Um, It's I I don't know. Not that you know, Oscars and awards are ever about fairness, but awarding small acts instead of just picking Mangrove or or picking you know one of the other Lovers Rock, um, it
1: it, it didn't feel fair to me. No, yeah, and that's the thing. You you, You have to convince Steve McQueen to pick his favorite kid. I don't think he would do that. Because I think we're all in agreement. Mangrove would probably be the, the, the Oscar play. He's not going to just choose Mangrove. Like I, I don't think in a million years he would do it. Plus, let's be honest here, and this is where Mike comes in because TV. Guy always, <laughs> here, here we go. go. You're, That's why you're, you're here. Are, you are foregoing a almost guaranteed sweep of the Emmys next year. Disagree. Disagree. Crazy, I, I crazy. It's going to be submitted as a limited series as small acts, mm-hmm. not individually. Right, but Emmy voters do their thing,
3: and they love The Queen's Gambit. That there are so many good miniseries this year.
1: But but let's just it – it will get double-digit nominations at the Emmys. At Oscar, you can hope for cinematography, and then let, let's just pretend Mangrove got into picture and director. It's not winning because Oscar voters don't understand it. They don't – they won't – like, we struggle to get them to understand that, you know – animated movies deserve to be in other... that voice performances are acting. Like, there's already been a Netflix fight that we almost sort of won. But then uh, I did an article that time of recording is Monday that for the very next day um, about small acts. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is a really interesting example because it started intended for TV, and then they went film. And I don't see a difference between the two.
3: I see a big difference in terms of Mangrove is an Oscar movie that I think voters would go for and Ballad of Buster Scruggs with a was a cute anthology that had some nice elements.
1: Well, not talking about like what they would go for, but just talking about an actual submission. Because you said you see it as limited a limited series, right? Absolutely. Which is, is fine. I think we all do, maybe. Like you can say it's films, but it's a, a series of films that are connected in themes.
5: Yeah. That's called anthology. Yeah. It's anthology.
1: (laughs) Thank you for clearing (laughs) up that definition. Um, But if you... Ballad of Buster Scruggs was intended for TV, and maybe Netflix is just really good at packaging and marketing. They made that pivot to film, and no one said anything Mm -mm.
3: about it. Well, it was also before it had come out. And here we have a situation where... Small
4: Axe has been on Amazon Prime for a while now. And also, Steve has been very vocal about it being designed for TV. Like, I I don't know if there was an article, he's done an interview saying it was specifically for the BBC so that his mother could watch it. So it's such a sweet article, but it's like he stated his intention. So is he going to get behind it if Amazon turns around and says, yep, we're going to. Do they have time? I mean, at what point do you have to make oh, a choice? So, yeah, here's the,
1: the, other, the other big piece of, the, of, the, of what I researched. Globes and SAG are already, the submissions have already happened and submitted as limited series there, right? Let's just pretend they made the pivot. You would be pivoting with no help from anything moving forward because it would be in limited series at everything. And remember SAG, which is probably the most important guild, they don't have an ensemble prize for a limited series, they don't have supporting categories for a limited series, which Mike, we have to have a podcast on that.
5: Well, yeah, that, that's their yeah, they're their, their catch all. Just like they just throw yeah. everything in the kitchen sink. Yeah, in there. yeah.
1: Like there, there is no place to reward small acts as a whole. So let's just say we got Letitia and Boyega in lead actor and lead actress. Then that's it, and they wouldn't correlate those two things. I, I just think it's I think it's too late. I think if we wanted to have this conversation we would have really needed to examine. Cause I don't us as journalists, I don't know. Do you guys have a hard stance on like if it's like it's made for Emmys or it's made for Oscars? This is the first time in my life I'm really like, I don't know.
3: I think it is whatever the the creator intends. Like and if Steve McQueen wants to suddenly say that it's movies, fine, I'll go with that.
1: He did say it was movies, but then you say it was made for TV. But then that's now the blurred lines we're talking about. Like, what is what is the movies like? Is is the academy? Are the academy rules representative of the way people create content and are consuming content today?
5: Has the awards industrial complex just collapsed?
4: <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I don't
1: know,
5: but it's
4: been interesting. Sorry, Mike. I was just gonna say because New York gave Lovers Rock no
1: c- cinematog- small acts cinematography. Small they act went small
4: acts cinematography. So they went. New York did it too, and Chicago. You mentioned Letitia, and she was a she was a nominee in that too for supporting actress. So it's like the critics are trying to push it as a. So why? I mean, why I mean, are the critics? Yeah, actually, why are
5: the critics doing this? Uh, what what is the motivation behind the so critics doing this? So that we
3: will be right here, right now, talking about. <laughs> yeah, it so
5: we are. can do this.
1: But, but also, critic, I mean, critic. I'm sorry, and, and listen, as a and I can I could say this because I'm a member of Critics Choice. We all got an email that said, "Hey, just want to let you know we are submitting small acts for, um, for Emmys. But if you wanted to put it on your top ten list, like for Mangrove, and if you wanted." to vote for it in your critics group do so they gave they gave the blessing for the conversation to happen and listen i think i think it's actually smart amazon if amazon's intention is to never switch it which it very well could be because i don't think they would if the the intention is never to switch it they at least force the hand to have the conversation and hence right this moment yeah well
5: (laughs) mission mission accomplished
4: (laughs) we're having it
5: um, well, so why don't we switch gears now and talk about uh, th- something else that uh, is definitely lighting up uh, Twitter and social media. And it has been. For... That was
3: shut out of the Critics Awards.
5: <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. Now, <laughs> Clayton, I could tell you're a fan.
3: Clayton has strong feelings. <laughs> Clayton,
1: yeah. I've never been so upset <laughs> <I've>, like, <laughs> of being so disappointed of a, of, a, of a movie that I was really looking forward to. Because, listen, I also, let me preface it with this, I like the first Wonder Woman. I don't love it and revere it. Like, you know, I've always been one that, like, was very... I think I liked the first three-fourths of it and whatever, and I don't think it was this big awards collapse that it wasn't nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. So but the second one I was excited for, and this leads me to, believe, one of two things. One, Patty Jenkins was only there by name. Because I refuse to believe that she signed off on the storyline of how this thing was put together. It just seems like such a a mess. And it's so thematically all over the place. The the visuals are not even good. And and I think Warner Brothers might be geniuses. Because they let all the fanboys see it. And they let all the critics see it last. So now we're going to look like the bad guys when we say... This movie's not good, because all the fanboys said it was great.
3: You say we. First of all, I saw you had a very funny tweet about how the visual effects are worse than cats. (laughs) I actually have to say I disagree. I was worried when I initially saw the trailer and I saw the cheetah effects. I was like, oh, God, this looks bad. When I saw the movie, I actually thought that they pulled it off pretty well. Maybe because I wasn't seeing it on a big screen. You know, I was also just so charmed by Kristen Wiig, maybe. Maybe oh, she's, uh,
1: she, look, guys, she's she is the best part about it.
4: Oh, she's fantastic. She's
1: so yeah, She's so yeah. good in it. And I didn't say it was worse than Cats. It was on the same level as Cats.
4: Oh, okay. It's as traumatizing. The digital yes. fur technology is d- d- as digital traumatizing. Digital fur
1: is just not a thing. <laughs> I think we need to step away from it very fast.
4: This movie has two
3: remarkably sympathetic villains. Like, like I related to Barbara and Minerva a little bit too much. Like, who, who wouldn't look at you know, Diana Prince and be like, oh God, why does she get everything? Like, so I, I was completely charmed yeah. by. I think uh, they gave,
1: they gave her a good motivation up and like, I was remember watching it and thinking to myself, so how does she turn into cheetah? And then when we got to that moment, I was like, oh no, this is how she turns into cheetah. And then I was like, no, this is not.
3: Oh, I guess we should avoid spoilers. I just realized. No, I mean, well, is I mean, yeah, yeah okay. just, But I, I understand why you're not elaborating. Yes. And yeah, I yeah. will
1: stick by my Pedro Pascal is, is harnessing the power of Brendan Fraser and be dazzled.
4: <laughs> I'm just still traumatized by the digital fur technology. And as I was saying, I was like, can we just get costume designers to create an outfit? Like, please, we don't need any more digital fur technology. We're not at the stage where it's, Amazing yet, and yeah, I'm. It. I saw it the same weekend well, as we had, is the one year anniversary of seeing Cats, so that was in my timeline. That was traumatizing me. I turned on HBO. Cats was on. And I'm like, come on, and yeah, see Cheetah, but you know, Kristen is is amazing in it.
1: Yeah, Kristen's great. I, I think Gal's good when she doesn't have lines to say that are really very troublesome. <laughs>
3: I just wanna again praise Chris Pine because he is doing what would traditionally be, you know, you know, the girl role. And he comes yeah. in as the love interest and he's so, so charming. charming. He's 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 so good at that. Um I feel like maybe they wrote themselves into a corner a little bit by needing to bring him back. Like they, they, they didn't need to. Yeah, we they just left him. Well, oh, we we love him so much. Like I was excited he would be back, but I'm not sure it, it helped the story. But um I do, I do think the performance is like, I think Chris is great. I think Gal is great. And anything I could criticize, I have to say, would go away when something would happen. Like, Wonder Woman lassos a rocket. I was sitting there going like, oh, God. Like, see, Clayton's making a, like an annoyed face and no, I'm no, making no, 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 this like no, 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 delighted
1: you're, 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 face. No, because no, like the, the, not to give anything, the invisible plane sequence is fantastic. Yeah. Invisible plane sequence is great. And there's things like that. There's set pieces that are really good, and I think everything that leads into it. it, it yeah, there's just listen. I may be on an island. I got what's it like? Eighty-eight percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Like I might be. I, I
5: will say just what it sounds like. I mean, you mentioned that Warner Brothers was was genius in hindsight and in holding off showing critics the the film. It also is sounding again like Warner Media sort of genius in pushing it to HBO Max the idea is people are going to be happy to watch this on Christmas Day if they they, they might have been pissed off uh, throwing a couple hundred dollars uh, when you include popcorn and what have you see it in the the, the the theater but for a free movie on HBO Max on Christmas Day it's going to be just what people ask for and this could be again what really accelerates the uh, the, the growth of HBO Max in the coming year so
1: Mike I just want to I just want to tell you one thing Michael I'll never love again.
4: (laughs) It's entertaining. It's fun. It does what it says on the tin. and People are going to tune in. It's also two two and a half hours. hours. Oh, yeah. Clayton has a thing.
3: I texted him the other day and I was like, I'm watching a movie under 90 minutes. And he was like, best picture of the year. (laughs) I don't know what it is.
1: (laughs) but Runtime is so important to me. Like, you just like if if you're going to if you're going to be long, like you just have to earn it like with me. And then when I realized that... Oh, by the way, the first action sequence, Mike, and I'm not even lying, because I I paused it to see, first action sequence comes in at an hour and 22 minutes.
3: Uh, No, the film opens with an action sequence.
1: Is it? Is it really action, Janelle?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I almost said something really snarky but I'm holding back.
1: (laughs) I don't understand that opening, by the way. It's no correlation to anything. I love life.
3: But you get to see Robin Wright...
4: We get to see Robin Wright, and the score was great.
1: Yeah, that was good. I liked seeing Robin Wright again. And we'll get to see her again in Land, which is now in the Oscar conversation. She needs her own Wonder Woman spinoff,
3: honestly. I want to know about life on that island. I want to see more of her and Connie Nielsen. Like, you, you make that movie, please.
5: Well, so a lot of us are going to be watching Wonder Woman uh, 1984 on Christmas Day, despite Clayton's, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, ad- 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 admonishment <laughs> not to... <laughs> Uh, but uh, let's 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 talk Christmas and the holidays. Uh, you know, uh, if if people are in the holiday spirit and, and want to see a Christmas film in the next couple of days, what are your recommendations? Oh, Janelle's got she, here. We, here go. we go. Janelle's yes. Janelle's ready. The greatest for it.
3: Christmas film of all time, Die Hard, and it is a Christmas
1: movie. No, it much. is. I showed Sophia, my daughter, my nine year old daughter. So I showed her Die Hard on Friday. And she did not like it. Really, I, think I need a new kid. Well,
5: because because Clayton, yeah. f- funny you should mention that. Uh, you know, we've been having family movie nights during the pandemic on Wednesday, and so that was my plan this week was to introduce them to Die Hard. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure because it's been a while since I've watched it. Like, are they going to be into it? Uh, they they do like the action films, so maybe. But what what did she not like about it?
1: Yeah, she just she just thought like like she just first of all it's it's really long. And by the way, I think it might be. The first time in like twenty years, I think I've seen it like not on TV, that without like I think I this is the first time I've seen like, the unedited TV version of it in a long time. So I think I, even I was like taken aback by like how much blood and everything is everywhere. I'd
3: forgotten about the nudity at the beginning until I was watching it in a room with a small child,
1: <laughs> and then I was like suddenly
3: like oh yeah I need the
4: TV edit yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's but, a good like, note. Yeah,
1: I, I just don't think she was really... I mean, she kind of liked some of the... She didn't understand how he was alive, which I guess <laughs> my, that means my, my kid is just smart. Like she Wait was, a like, minute. So many times she was like, how is he still moving? And I'm like, I don't know.
3: Clayton, did your daughter watch Wonder Woman 1984? She did. Yeah, and did she love it? No. Oh, well, I'm not making a point then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but her favorite movie is Scream, If that makes anyone feel better at all she does okay so
5: she does like the horror so
1: okay but die Die hard is a christmas movie i am with you uh sophia also believes that it's a christmas movie despite her not liking it we were arguing with my wife about it because she's on that side of the tracks
5: Thinking it's not well, my, my, the wrong side. My son actually is excited to see Die Hard, though, because he uh, what he knows of Die Hard is that it's Jake Peralta's favorite movie on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> and so <laughs> he's kind of like, just because of that, he's like, well, that, that sounds great.
1: Let's watch yes. it. Yes. I love that he sides Jake for all.
5: He's
3: gonna get to see Nakatomi Tower, where Jake and everyone got stranded one time, and where and Jake had a his wedding cake was Nakatomi
1: yeah. Plaza. Yeah, yeah. Oh
3: yeah. man.
1: Uh, actually, uh, have you have you seen all the sequels?
3: Oh yeah, hell yeah.
1: I think, I think I don't think I've seen anything after two, and I was no, I saw a Vengeance. So I haven't seen anything after three. But I was like reading up on it real quick, and he just like doesn't end up like his wife. They do get divorced, like. Yeah, yeah, it's
3: actually a bummer. Wait, how I think many?
1: Five. Actually, Hodge was in Die Hard with a Vengeance, one of his best yes. movies.
3: I heard a rumor that in three they had Bonnie Bedelia like on hold in case they did want to shoot some scenes really with the Walt with Holly. Yeah, and they just never ended up using her. And then in the next film, I guess they're divorced. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that relationship mattered to me. That it sort of bums me out.
4: But Alan Rickman, oh my heart,
5: jazz. Your favorite holiday movie?
4: I'm going to be boring and say Home Alone 2. I Two? have to watch it. Like
1: That's not boring.
4: Say Home, Home Alone, Alone 2. Lost in New York. That is my favorite, one. despite. Why that one? I, I love New York. I love New York. I love that the Darlene loves singing throughout. Um, and yeah, minus Donald Trump. I was going to say,
1: can, can you watch the edit without Trump? Yeah. <laughs>
4: Trying to like find Can I just say team.
1: also also another movie that you don't understand how they're alive? Yeah, because they get fatally hurt. Like when that thing, when the thing ends up on Daniel Stern's fate when they drop like the thing of flour or cement on his, I should have cracked his neck like in like off. It was, Like that's another thing. But Home Alone Two is awesome. I
3: like that jazz. Uh, did you see Saturday Night Live this weekend where they did like the the the, the revised ending of Home Alone 2? Yeah. And that was something that always bugged me about that movie was that he just kind of leaves this woman alone in the park and says, "Thanks for your
6: help."
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, "We'll be friends forever." Here's a turtle dove. I'm gonna go back in my really expensive hotel room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's
5: still a little snot-nosed brat. Let's uh, forget yeah. that. Yeah,
1: I love, and they do a really good job of making Brenda Fricker not look like she's freezing to death because it's New right. York City in winter. Pigeons are warm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Christmas movie, what's my favorite? Um, We watch Christmas Story every year because you're supposed to.
5: Right, and it's on 24 Hours on on TBS. It's on 24
1: Hours, I watch it like once or twice. Um, I also really enjoy... um, I like The Family Stone a lot. I'm a big fan of The Family Stone. I know a lot of people aren't, but I still think that so it's a good tearjerker too i think it's a great a good greg t nelson uh and i, and I love home alone one because you're supposed to yeah and it, and, it, and it's a great sequel the good son
4: <laughs> and it has a young roman roy aka kieran kieran culkin
1: Oh, did you know that Katherine O'Hara is in Home Alone and Shit Scream?
4: <laughs> Catherine O'Hara is getting a shout out on our podcast every single week.
1: What, what's yours, Mike? Well, you know, uh,
5: obviously, you know, like the Christmas story, got to watch Elf, got to watch Christmas Vacation. But uh, in the spirit of what's a, what's a film and what's a TV show, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The best Christmas movie is a Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, I know. Not a film. But nonetheless, that is
1: it's a uh, you can count that. That's that's
5: part of that is the tradition where it's not Christmas until we watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. And that is required viewing every year, obviously. So
3: since you mentioned Elf, can I plug my story now online with Will Ferrell, where he talks about uh, Eurovision and how they had this great joke built in that his character hates elves and everybody thought that that joke would kill because he was, you know, Buddy the Elf, an elf, and then nobody got No one that noticed? Joke. <laughs> no. He's like, we thought this was going to kill. We thought people would be howling with hysterics. He's like, nobody
4: got No one got noticed.
5: It. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's probably indicative of the larger problem of
1: uh, the film.
4: How dare you? <laughs> Best in original song contender. You guys are grinchers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking. I was looking at some uh, like the list of like some of the great Christmas movies of all time, and like literally this, I came across some list that has Home Alone three, and I was like, no, no, no. no.
5: I
3: actually Nothing enjoy Home Alone, Alone four
1: to some extent. How many How many years do you think we are away from the Home Alone like reboot? Reboot.
3: I thought they were doing it honestly. Well, like the
1: are they, is it a show or is it a movie? Oh,
6: no, I thought they're doing a reboot
1: because they're doing everything.
5: Well. On that note, gang, I think we got to say happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all that good stuff.
1: Ooh, in in sing song, Merry Christmas.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Mariah Carey, Merry Christmas. All I want for Christmas is all of you.
3: Oh, we're here. Oh,
5: my. All right, until next time. Bye,
1: guys.
3: Bye. Bye. See you
5: guys.
1: Enjoy Gina King. It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis. Last month on the third edition of the Award Circuit Podcast, we talked about Regina King's new film, One Night in Miami, with stars Aldous Hodge and Leslie Odom Jr. Based on Kent Power's stage play, One Night in Miami, it tells the story of a fictional account of one incredible evening in which Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X gathered after Ali defeated Sonny Liston in February 1964. Odom Jr. plays Sam Cook, and Hodge plays Jim Brown, while Eli Goree is Muhammad Ali, and Kingsley Benadire is Malcolm X. Yes, yes cash is Marcellus Clay is the new heavyweight champion of the world, boys. Yes, he is. And I don't even have yes, a scratch yes, on my face.
6: <laughs> oh
1: my goodness! Cash, what? Cash, what? am I so pretty? (laughs) And I'm only 22 years old. There is no way I'm supposed to be this great. Look, Alexander the Great conquered the whole world at the age of 30, and I conquered the world of boxing at 22 (laughs) without sustaining so much as a scratch. That's right. There he goes. You do the math. All right. When, when is this party going down? Yeah, that's a good question. What's on the agenda, Malcolm?
2: Well, I thought this would be a wonderful chance for us to reflect on what's happened tonight. Like our young brother said, there's no denying that greater forces were at work. You
1: mean no
2: one else is coming?
1: It's the first feature directed by Regina King, the Oscar, Emmy, and Golden Globe winning actor who can do no wrong these days. Her work in the film If Beale Street Could Talk by Barry Jenkins earned her an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, while also winning raves on TV for turns on shows like The Leftovers and Watchmen, which also landed her her most recent Emmy last September. I recently spoke to King about One Night in Miami, and along with discussing her process and casting four extraordinary actors— She talks about what it would take for her to sign on for a second season of HBO's Watchmen and manages to possibly get an inspiration on what could be her next project. King has directed a lot of TV, including episodes of Scandal and This Is Us. I began by asking her why One Night in Miami would end up as her debut feature for directing.
2: Quite a few reasons. Um, I was looking to do... Um, a project uh, as far as uh, theatrical, when my agent had asked me, you know, wh- what type of stories do you want to tell, you know, once you finally um, make your, will start your career as a film director? And one of the things I shared, one of the types of stories I wanted to do that I shared with him was one that was a love story that had a historical backdrop. And uh, he brought this script to me, and while when I was telling him, I if I'm being honest, I was speaking more of a romantic uh, love story, not a and not even a, a, a comedy, not a rom com, um, but uh, you know, like the Titanic, you know, something like that with 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 us, and um, this still, in my opinion, is a love story. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a love letter to Black men. And I also felt like my first um, time out as a film director, kind of felt like, you know, you should play to your strengths. And um, a true actor's piece uh, is, is something that I would gravitate to as an actor. So I naturally gravitated to that as a
1: director i couldn't help but this could be kind of a weird question but i couldn't help but think this because you're such a fantastic actress uh one of the best of our generation and i kept watching it and i was like i wonder if regina like wants to just wanted to be in it like just wanted to be one of the four like like ju- just be like you know i'm gonna, i'm just gonna do it i'll play malcolm myself <laughs> i'll do it i didn't know if that was that
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's what I mean when I read this script. I was like, oh, my God, I would love to play any of these roles, you know, and I especially um, just love the the dynamic between Malcolm and Sam. And, you know, a lot of actors, we kind of call, we kind of relate those types of scenes to a great tennis match, you know, um, uh so so it I've really responded to 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 the roles and, and, and you know you say roles characters even though these men uh, and Jim Brown is still with us, you know they actually uh, existed and and they still exist in our hearts and our minds and 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 in um uh a lot of what drives us uh these all four of these men um no matter who you are especially um as a black person, they have made an impact in some type of way in your in your life. So, uh, yeah, as an actor, I was um, just titillated by the dialogue, Kim's dialogue, and um, but I also was just so excited about finding who these actors were going to be. That that was um, an exciting. Um, journey to jump into, to, to take.
1: Um, So I'm ready for the all-female version of this. When you're ready to just do that, I'll I'll support it a thousand you, percent. Uh, you
2: may be onto something right there. Look at you. Yes.
1: I'm, I'm not saying I would, like, produce it or anything or just, like, <laughs> go in on that with you, but I totally would. Um, So I've spoken with three out of the four men so far. I've had conversations with them over the last few months because the film was so well-received at the film festivals. And they all seem to have this one common thread and it's just this undying devotion and love for you.
6: Um,
1: Aldous Hodge, you know, our, our favorite, uh, our favorite Jim Brown here, he, we were talking and he was talking about getting, uh, auditioning for the role and that, you know, you, you had called him and he says, when, when the King calls, you go, like she summons, you go. So uh, did you have, When you first uh, had the script, were you imagining who these people would be, like who you would want to tap into?
2: Yes, somewhat. Yes, somewhat. Um, I have to say that um, of our actors that are portraying the roles, uh, Leslie Odom was probably the only one that I already had on my radar um, to... um, as uh, Sam Cook, when we first, when I when I auditioned for the role as the director, uh, you know, you kind of give like your uh, your ideas of who you think could uh, play these roles. That's kind of a common thing when you're auditioning as a director. And Sam uh, uh, Leslie was on my list as Sam Cook. Yeah, and he was in, also on the uh, producers list as well.
1: It's a good instinct to have when yeah, it just cast yeah. Lizzie Odom Jr. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, I mean, you know, his voice was just amazing. And at that time, you know, I, I always knew that I would want the actors to audition because look, at the end of the day, we are talking about four of the most iconic men in their uh, respective fields in American history. And, um, It was my, you know, this is my directorial debut. So, you know, I got a lot riding on this. (laughs) I can't just go with, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go with you because you say you can do it, you know? (laughs) So I, I'd always known going in, I was going to want to just hear, hear how they hear and see how they would embody, uh, the, the, the men. And, um, uh, but so I always knew that Leslie or felt confident that Leslie would knock the singing part of it out of the park. And, um, you know, and as you can see, he did the same with the acting. Yeah.
1: Because you just touched on it. Bring me back to that first day of shooting and I, I you somehow like this big immense of big amount of pressure. I mean, got feel like do or die. And listen, also we know, women are always judged far harsher than men are. So if, uh, you know, you mess up, then you won't work for 10 years. But if a guy messes up, they may get two more chances. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, well, if a a black guy messes up, maybe half half a chance, I don't know. But um, I, you know, honestly, it was I was in a constant space of, you know, you better not F this up you know um all the way when when we were prepping and you know for honestly from my first uh meeting with kemp you know and and and, and luckily we just connected quickly so uh we were both working on different projects as we were prepping uh for uh, one night in miami and doing some some some, some uh, small script changes and uh, Kemp had already done so much research and I think that that was probably why, where a lot of my nerves were because I I knew going into this that this was a story that I wanted to tell because I saw every black man that I know and love in these men in the words that Kemp had written in the, the emotion that Kemp had um, um captured on the page and I knew that it was my job to bring it to life and my First thought always was, I want Kemp and every man that's in my life that I love to see themselves in this piece. So I I think, you know, just Kemp set the bar so high and uh, he's so smart and he had done so much research. And uh, I just I wanted I wanted to know that I was treating his baby preciously. Um, because uh, it was precious to
1: me. Awesome. I have one more serious question, and then we get to fun questions.
6: Okay.
1: Because I'm a film awards editor, I have to bring this into you. I'm sure you know this already, but I'm going to say it to you anyway. You can make some serious history this year. I've talked about it often. Uh, we have never had a Black woman nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. We've had six Black men uh since 1991 john singleton when he was able to do it for boys in the hood um you might be the first black woman to do it you're also so weird little I, i'm just full of like weird stats you would also be the first person to win an academy award for acting and then be able to get nominated for a directing Lawrence olivier couldn't do it uh it, it's, it's like a it's like a really weird stat but it's, it's, it's some big, some big shoes that you're, you're going to be carrying a a good amount of, uh, you know, we're always in this land of first. I wish we weren't. I asked Spike Lee, this very question, uh, back in September, I said, you know, why do black women have it so hard in the Oscar space? So they always have it hard, you know, in everything. Why is, why would this be any different? Uh, can you just speak to that, uh, to that, you know, honor, if it comes your way and then as a black woman, uh Helming a ship such as this, and for future generations to want to get into
2: into it uh you know it's it feels like such a taboo place to even go, you know what I mean in a lot of regards because first and foremost, like you said, the fact that we're still talking about first in spaces that have existed for longer than you and I have been alive, and um. <sighs> So um that's uh really unfortunate. But I, I I you know I I also know that, you know, when you talk about other women of color, you know, there there are a lot of other, you know, first Asian women that that hasn't happened. First, you know what I mean, uh Latino uh woman, you know, so um I, I share that space of wanting to, if it wasn't you to have seen someone that looks like you in that space. Um, so that, that is a um, a place that's relatable. I'd, I'd really try to, I'm really trying to enjoy the fact that I've made it to the finish line, you know, of, of to actually say that I've, I've directed a film and it's coming out and, and I, I'm, I want to allow myself the grace to receive that, um, you know, I would have thought for sure. You know, Ava DuVernay for Selma would have, you know, been there, or Dee Reese from Mudbound, you know, um, Julie Dash, Daughters, you know, in the Dust. That you know, there's these seminal movies that uh, films that you would have thought that would have happened. So um, I know that. Uh, I'm even able to have this conversation because of the wonderful work that they've done. And it's unfortunate that if they didn't do such an amazing job uh, with expressing, excuse me, their art, um, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you as a director. I'd be talking to you only as an actor, you know? So um, I just, um, I am trying not to let, conversation of that um, or anticipation of that be what I'm putting the energy towards you know like because this story is uh, uh, in a lot of ways uh, a call to action one night in Miami and um, that is uh, I guess you know it's tough I, I'm pausing because I was going to say that is most important but then I think about in this moment that we're in right now where we have um uh the first uh, uh woman of color as a vice president um i i have to say it is that's it is representation is is equally impo- as important because a young girl that looks like me uh when her mother tells her you could you know be the vice president you know be president <laughs> yeah, yeah, or president exactly oh. exactly or you could um have a a a film that's uh, the best picture you know um to have evidence of that uh definitely uh helps to believe in it more uh but you know. Ah, it's just,
1: uh, we can talk about this for... We'll, we'll have plenty of more opportunities to talk about it. I mean... Really listen, more
2: opportunities to talk about This ain't about your it.
1: last, and you need to promise me that. Like, I mean... Well, we, we already have our next project together. We talked about this, right? Yes, we've we'll already talked about yeah, that. So we're good there. So whatever your third project is, I'll definitely help you with that. Um, I do have one... Well, actually, I do have one more serious question, because my colleague co-hosts of, on my podcast, Michael Schneider, TV Awards editor, give me a question. I have to ask you Uh watchman, you know, it's not coming back. Are you disappointed? And if Damon changes his mind, will
2: you, would you do it? If Damon changes his mind? Yes. <laughs> oh, <did>. I have, <laughs> because I know what he's, if, if he did, that means something just happened. Something happened. And, and it, and, and in all honesty, it would probably be something where, you know, Angela dies in the first episode. I don't know, but it would be some, I, I, I know it's like, well, why would she say that? But I'm saying that it, it's, it's how do you just as for, for Damon to have even decided to tackle this subject matter was very risky business. Mm-hmm. You know, being a white man, uh, um, speaking on inherited pain, um, in the Black community, uh, like, that, that was, that did, was- did, did you get the
1: script initially and you were, like, side-eye, like,
2: mm. I thought it was amazing, but yeah, you know, when we <laughs> said
1: <laughs> I was like, dude. You're gonna get me mad today, like, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> I said, you really ready for this, you know? And, you know, then he told me his writing team that he d- mm. dissembled, and I was like, okay, all right, so you- you're you're walking into this, you know, not with rose-colored glasses. You know, you are definitely being responsible, and and just his his inspiration um, with Tanahasi Coates' uh, case for reparations, that being an inspiration. That that in itself, when he shared that with me, I was like, oh, okay, you know, you you really are um, making an effort to understand a history that you never knew anything about and that we're all connected to. You can't be American and not be connected to it, you know, um uh in in some way, you know. So um I know that if he did go into it, he it would be smart, it would be um it would still be provocative, uh, and and he would be pushing people to, to to think beyond themselves.
1: Thank you for that. And that could be your third project, by the way. I'm just like, we can just plan your entire <laughs>
2: just career there. right now.
1: Um if you if you want to go there soon. Um so let's let's talk about uh the the fun stuff what uh, just like some fun movie questions we always like to know. Do you remember the movie that did it for you when you were younger? That like kind of slapped you in the face, and you were like, Oh, I got to do this for the rest of my life.
2: Ooh. there were probably a few of them. I would say just Sally Field, just kind of, you know. Norma, Norma seeing, Ray, Sally Field? Being normal. Well, it was two, it, 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 it was the combination of the two. It was seeing her as Norma Ray, and seeing her as Sybil and that that was the same person just really was like, Phew. wow, you know, like you can do that. You can make people feel all of that. Yeah. Oh, and and just be almost unrecognizable not the same woman you know to be this vivacious woman and then to be this broken um girl woman you know what i mean uh was mind-blowing um there was a film uh there's two of them that are popping in my mind but i'll just go with one
1: this is purposely done to catch you off guard because right. we know this won't be the real real answer but right a, right but you ask
2: me Yeah, you'll ask me in five years and he'll be like, oh, it was... But the film (laughs) Sparkle had a huge impact Ah. um, on me as well. And I just think because just, it was just so black and they were just so beautiful. And then, you know, uh, Loretta's character, sister was so broken, but she loved her sisters. And then um, Dawn... um, Can't remember her last name. You know, she got out and and saved herself. You know, there were just so many aspects to that film that were just to me just celebrated being black. You know, I mean, me and my sister just used to like recite the dialogue.
1: Uh, I, I was on an interview. I won't say who it was with, but I was on an interview. I asked this question and they like reversed it back at me. And they said, you know, as someone who's half Latino and half black, what's like the first black movie that you remember seeing? And I, I blurted out, I was like, Jungle Fever. Like, it was just like, like it's just what came out. Of, like, I, I couldn't like, it, it came too fast. I didn't know. And, and then I was, I, and then I've been thinking about that question a lot. I was like, what, what are those early of, of each kind of culture and experience, like what are the ones that impacted me? And I've been thinking, I've been mulling on it a lot lately. It's funny that you brought it up. And I think this is something to. Was I that stack. one, was
2: Sparkle one for you?
1: I, it, it came up in my mind. It was definitely one of the like first yeah. 20 that I was.
6: <laughs> right, I was exactly. A, 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 cause, I, cause
1: I, cause I, cause I obviously I sort of, you know, I went through jungle fever and then I was like, then I just sort of being like my, my seven-year-old self. And I was like, Juice. New Jack City, you know? <laughs> I started, like, just running around stuff. I was like, baby's kids. I was just, like, all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it was, it was, it was just something cool. Um, can you recall one of your earliest love of a film that was directed by a woman? Mm, that's
2: tough. And that's unfortunate that it's tough. Um, I want to say, and because I can't think of her first film, but I feel like it was a Penny Marshall film. Oh, that's mine too. Big is it big? Yeah, yes. 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 yes, 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 yeah, yeah. And I and and the thing of with what what blew me away is you know. You go to the movie theater and you go see that film and you fucking love nah,
1: it. You can curse it.
2: And you just and you yeah, love curse that all film. You know, just I mean, I just oh my god, I love that film so much. Yeah. It's one of those films that if you're flipping through channels, and even if it's on like WG and something that has commercials, you still stop and just watch. I <laughs> yep.
1: I I I joke around all the time that. I hate Tom Hanks a little bit for that movie because him and Robert Loja have never made me feel less like I have rhythm. Cause I have rhythm. I mean, I'm good, I'm a dancer, I can dance, but I've tried to do the piano thing and I can't do it like
2: yeah. at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm
1: I'm convinced they didn't do it. I'm convinced right. that it's a big but when line.
2: I found out that it was Penny Marshall who directed it, you know, the first thing I go, Laverne. Laverne, you know, I was just like, yeah, uh, so, so, yeah, that was,
1: yeah, uh, got two more for you because I know, uh, we're gonna lose you soon. Um, is there a desire for you to do a big musical? And if you did, what would you want to do for you as an actor?
2: Probably not a desire to do a big musical. <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: that's not the I answer know. I want. So, okay, pretending that you had. Whitney Houston vocals. What would you want to do, knowing that it could
2: come out okay? Oh, I don't know. I could get so slammed for this because I'm. You, you, I'm not the big. I'm not the musical girl. You know. I mean, like I'm not. I'm not that person. It's like, ooh, when that that musical comes out, you know. And I'm not saying any names because yeah. I will slam. But that's just like not my.
0: Genre. Yeah,
2: yeah, it isn't. Now, this is, it, this seems so ridiculous because when I tell you my son, he loves musicals. You know, like when he was a kid, like West Side Story and Sound of Music, those are like his jams, you know?
1: And that's why you don't like musicals anymore. Yeah, because so. it's like all um, the house.
2: Yes, Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe if they did a musical, of sparkle. Maybe they did a musical version of Sparkle. We'll take go it. with we'll that.
1: Take it. Okay. Uh this is the best one for you. If you could direct a straight biopic on any black figure in history, who would you want to tackle?
2: Now you know you are supposed to send a question like that like two days in advance. <laughs> I have
1: my I have my answer for you already. So I want you to I want you to give it and then I'm I'll, I'll help you out.
2: Oh, goodness.
1: No holds bar. You can do whatever you want with it. Final cut is Virginia King.
2: Oh, Oh, I don't know. That's because, like, through my mind, like, musical people are popping through my mind. And then I have political people. It's just like, ah, so much pressure.
1: Don't worry. Remember, this is the first answer, not necessarily your answer. I'll always preface it with that. Not
2: necessarily the answer. Well, you know what? There is so funny because one person just keeps popping in my mind and I know that it's been done already, but I just feel like I would have like, oh, I'm going to get slammed. But she, she just keeps popping in my head. She just keeps popping in my head. Nina Simone. Look, he's like, oh, I was not expecting that one. You said uh, that, direct. That, that's, a good, right?
1: that's a good one.
2: You said direct, right?
1: Yeah, for you to direct. direct. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very important. This is you directing.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That for whatever so many people came through my head. She just kept coming through. Kept coming through. Kept coming through. Kept coming through. Oh gosh.
1: Oh, uh, my answer for Who you was is you James. My, my answer for you is James Baldwin.
2: You know, someone, someone said that to me. Actually, no. Seriously. Really. Yeah, and 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 my we, publicist... Come on, we got four that.
1: movies together already. We're about to do like come yeah. on, like
2: someone <laughs> a, a, another journalist actually she said that she said I'm waiting for you to direct the James Baldwin piece. She actually we, said
1: we could put we could put the, the all female one night in Miami on hold and we could just make James Baldwin next for you.
2: Yeah. Wow. Do, do, you, okay. do you know? The, do you know?
1: Do you know if there's a script flying around or anything like that? Do you know? I,
2: I don't know, but I just know that when you said that, it made. That's what made me go like that because literally, this was maybe two months ago, and the fact that you said it again. I don't know. Maybe the universe is kind of.
1: The Lord works something. in
2: serious ways, Miss King. I don't know. Might as well. Wow as Aldous Hodge says,
1: when the, when the King summons, you go. So I think it's a so great it sophomore
2: effort. Interesting, Like cause his life is so, you know, big, it's complex. It's complex. Like, even if it was like surrounding, um, the couple of nights before and after and of the, the debate that he had at, um, I want to say it was Harvard. It was Harvard. Yeah. Somebody help us out. Someone's Googling, uh, but I I've, I've, I've thought that that would be in because there's something very interesting to me about slice of life. When you have people who have these bigger than life lives, mm-hmm. it's it's so hard and so unfair to try to get it all in, a, you know, 120 plus minutes.
1: That, that's that been my biggest worry about it. I said whoever does it, either if you're going to do it all, it's a mini series. Like yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're doing like I, I need 10 episodes.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, on a streamer. Because um, I need it all at once. I can't do this week to week nonsense. I'm I'm done with that. So ooh, <laughs> I know it,
2: it would be it would be an installment uh, from that show, Genius. that James Baldwin.
1: Geo, if you're listening, uh-oh. Just saying, I'll, I'll text them. Don't worry. I, okay. I got you. I got, I got you. We're, we're gonna get this. Swear, if this happened... I, I got to do something on on your next project. I feel like I named your next three. Yeah. So if any of those three happen. Clayton Davis needs to be like on the set doing something. I'll be a grip. I don't care. I'll be a boom operator. I'm just doing something. Um, oh, Miss King, you are precious cargo. And I adore everything that you bring to this art forum and everything that you're about to go through the next few months of just celebration and adoration is all well deserved. And I'm just really happy for you.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the time. And I'm so glad you got a chance to talk to the guys. They, they just so awesome, man.
1: Yeah. I got, I got, I got to tell you a sidebar about Aldis though. See my wife, like have you ever seen, ever watched the show friends, the laminated five. No. Oh, so there's uh, an episode of friends, uh, Ross and Rachel come up with, the person that they're allowed to sleep with and the other person can't get mad has to be five celebrities. And she watched Invisible Man this year and added him to the five. And I was interviewing him and she was trying to creep up in my office. So him and I have a little bit of tension right now. Other than that, he's a he's a great man.
2: Well, I will say, <laughs> after talking to you and then also hearing this story, my uh, wife has great taste.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Don't worry, my wife hasn't met Aldous Hodge yet. One Night in Miami will open in select theaters on December 25th before launching on Amazon Prime Video on January 15th. One Night in Miami isn't this week's only Kemp Powers-related project. Powers is a co-director on the new Pixar animated film, Soul, about a world where souls develop personalities and musical talents before being sent to Earth. Angela Bassett voices Dorothea Williams, a saxophonist and a leader of her own jazz band. I recently sat down with the Oscar-nominated actress to discuss her career, if she's ever been approached to play Storm in the X-Men series, and how a waiting-to-exhale reunion could be in the works. But first, I asked her about what brought her to Seoul.
6: You know, Pixar is one of the best, that company, you know, what they do, animation. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, I'm a mom and we take these kids to see all these movies. You know, I can't take them to see some of the things I do, but uh, there was a lot of entertainment in there for them um, and us. And and kids like to see movies over and over and over and over again. They're not one-offs like we are sometimes. But so, I mean, maybe about two or three years ago, we, we started it, you know, animation starts. It takes a long time to, mm-hmm. you know, bring it to the audience and you don't know how the, you know, the tide has changed or what's going on, you know. But this movie about soul, I mean, with the title of soul, that was just too intriguing to Pixar soul, too intriguing proposition not to say yes to.
1: Um, as you have kind of navigated, I mean, you're still killing it even now, like just consistently, um, at this point in your career, do you find yourself, um, seeking new challenges as a, as an actor, uh, to find these different types of, uh, roles that you can interpret?
6: Um, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you're, you're seeking new challenges and sometimes you're, you know, trying to stay busy. And sometimes, uh, you know, you want to do something you've never done before. Um, and sometimes it's just the opportunity that presents itself. I I happen to think voiceover work is a little more difficult, <laughs> at least for me, yeah. than than the other, than on camera. You know, I, I just, it's just something that I want to, that I work to, conquer it's all that you have you know a lot of time i don't know if it's true for you but it's true for me sometimes you remember remember when we used to have these uh voice uh voice machines answering machines and you listen is that what i sound like (laughs) you know and just how you can modulate your voice to express emotion um you know the inflection the modulation with the quickness Uh, the slowing of pattern it's that's all you have. You don't have your eyes and your body and, you know, all of this to sell it as well, um, you know, along with all the other sweetening. So it, it really is, um, you know, it's all about, uh, trying, trying to communicate and reach someone else, but you only have this, this, you've lost some of your instruments and some of your power and you're just left with that.
1: Yeah. Um, you have had an extraordinary career, um, just marvelous by any standards of someone trying to be an actor, uh, you know, Academy Award nomination, a bunch of Emmy nominations, uh, Golden Globe winner, still the only Black woman to win Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes for the hilarious What's Love Got to Do With It, if you remember that, <laughs> right? Yes, uh, yes.
6: Yeah. I, I, oh really? Yeah. So
1: the only black woman to ever win that win that category.
6: Mm-hmm, no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. as
1: we, as we move into this time where diversity, inclusion representations really taking the forefront in terms of people starting to pay attention, um, are you excited by the prospects of the future for actors, artists of color coming into this space?
6: You know, I, yes, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the present. I had to be excited in the past, you know, because whatever whatever we're greeted with in the day, that's all that's that's all that's what we have. But mm-hmm. we have to have the courage to um the courage and teach courage and have courage to make a change, to make it better. So yes, I'm absolutely excited about about the future. Awesome. If we're moving forward, yeah.
1: Uh, Kent Powers, who co directed Soul, first person of color to direct a, a Pixar film. Uh, he also wrote the film, uh, Having a, a Great Year. Um, One Night in
6: Miami.
1: One Night in Miami. Who, I've said this, I'm going to continue to say it because it's such a cool stat and I love it. If he's nominated for both Soul and One Night in Miami, he's just going to be the second person to be nominated in both screenplay categories following Francis Ford Coppola in 1974. It's gonna make history. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for it now. So, uh, as as seeing someone really just blowing it out of the, out of, the out of the box now, like Kemp, and you know, be part of that first experience at Pixar, does it make you proud? Are you just so excited by by that?
6: Absolutely proud. Was your brother out of USC, and you know, and not only to write this, but to get an opportunity to co direct a Pixar film, his first Pixar film. I mean, it's not just because they nice. <laughs> I think, you know, but he is extraordinarily nice. Uh he's 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 a dear heart and he's an enormous talent. And uh and and that's the ticket. That's the ticket that's taken him on this extraordinary journey that he finds himself on.
1: Um you are a DGA nominee you were nominated for a DGA award for Whitney and Ooh. I'm waiting for my Angela Bassett feature debut on a big screen. I just want to know when it was coming and if it's coming.
6: So, <laughs> I'm waiting. Just, for i that thought too. I'd ask about it. Thank you. I'm waiting for that as well. Um, so, so,
1: so, you're ready for one, not one coming, like not one planned right now at this moment.
6: Not one plan right now, but um always looking, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a challenge for me with uh, this uh, number, you know, this number one, number two <laughs> scripted uh, drama, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on television every week. You know, it's, you know, wildly successful. So it it makes challenging um, trying to fit stuff in because acting may take this amount of time, but directing mm-hmm. takes thrice as much time pre-post and to do it acting I just come show up and do it you know yeah. um so we have to see it's the it's the juggling the juggling act of it all
1: a so. question i've always been dying to ask you and this is so off topic but it's just something that's i've oh it's been like you know how your fans usually want things for you that not even you want because like they yes. want it for you more than you yes. yes have you ever been approached to be storm in the x-men? franchise because that is literally the, the dream role i have like wh- I, like when they were talking about rebooting x-men like you better grab angela bassett now so she can just take over
0: the world reboot yeah many,
6: many many years ago yeah i heard about storm and the x-men i didn't know what it was because i wasn't a you know a comic book geek so I, I i didn't know it was after maybe you know after what's love or whatever and so there was like little you know a little talk about it And I was like, ooh, they're talking about it and putting it in print. So uh, it's probably going to be mine to say no to, whatever it is. I'll just wait till it shows up. And then as things go through their process of who's available, blah, 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 it changed. It was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Then I came to know exactly who Storm was. But, um, yeah, I've heard that a a number of times from a number of comic book heads that – they wish that for me.
1: Okay,
5: so it would have been interesting. So,
6: yeah. It would have been. It would have been interesting. Yeah,
1: it can, it That can was early be, it on. Could still, it could still be yours. It
6: could still be. It could still yes. Be. Okay. Absolutely. I'll stay ready. I'll stay yeah. ready.
1: <laughs> Listen, you're, you're still super fly. You could definitely do it right now. I, I'm not even going okay. to front like you can't do it. <laughs> um, I've always wanted to know. It's been quite a while since you've been back to Broadway, and obviously, yeah. the world is really doing its thing right now, and Broadway can't really happen. But mm-hmm. is there a yearn to go back to it? Uh, Absolutely. Eventually?
6: Absolutely. You don't even have to finish that question. <laughs> there is always a yearning to, to go back. Um, maybe uh, just before the pandemic, there was, you know, there was talk where, you know, one of the theaters there um roundabout theater we're looking into that it was an exciting proposition you know especially if the kids are getting older and doing their own thing so now I can go and do something that I love first love you know stage theater but yeah looking looking forward to that
1: Cause I just really want you to be an EGOT winner. I mean, that's, it's more my selfish thing. I just want you
6: to win. everything. <laughs> Another thing you want for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's Listen, a
1: good one. I, I got big plans for you. So whenever you're okay. ready, I, I'm, I'm ready for you to, to start doing it. Um, let's, let's talk quickly about, we are in this time of reunions and reboots and, and everything that has to do with like, you know, going back in time to our most iconic roles. Uh, understanding it would be much different now is as has, has anyone ever approached you about a waiting to exhale reunion type of thing i know now with with whitney not here but has that ever been talked about
6: oh, can i talk about that <laughs> uh yeah i've been approached about a waiting to exhale thing yeah most definitely um uh, most yeah Definitely recently, you know, over time. Um, but how is that going to be done? I don't know. So it's still in the works. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll and you're so you're, op-
1: you're open to it if it does happen. Oh,
6: yeah. I That's said it. I was open to it. So whatever oh. it turns out to be, <laughs> whatever That's... this thing turns out to be, because, you know, that it's been 25 years. Uh, for waiting to excel since waiting to excel December. Why 25 do you why do you look
1: ago. exactly the same? Like exactly the same. Like what is your secret? You have not aged a day. You just still look amazing today. As you I did think then
6: they said it was baby tears and <laughs> 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 vampire kisses. I don't know. <laughs> mm.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, you're, you're
1: amazing. Um next next on your uh Docket, you're you know, you're um uh uh-huh. you doing other other films. I think Gunpowder, Milkshake is your next is your next film. Uh yeah. what is what is are there any other roles that are bubbling that you really want to challenge yourself with that you would really like to do?
6: Oh. Well, um there's some, you know, Courtney is ever busy trying to Trying to keep me busy, <laughs> Courtney. Man, <laughs> say, say,
1: uh, say, say something nice about Courtney. Let's give him a little bit of
6: uh good air time. What's, what's... well, he's a, he's he's a he's halfway through the EGOT process. He is, I you know, I'm I'm still at, I'm just trying to get one, but he's halfway through. <laughs> I'll say that, yeah. yeah, he's got the Tony and the Emmy. Um, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm um. Uh, what? What? Wait a minute! Somebody. Oh, somebody I was like, what, what are you working on next? Like,
1: what's next for you? In what place? am
6: I working on next? Oh, um, of course, nine one one. You know, that's a weekly thing. And then, um, uh, there's also Mission Impossible. So, looking forward to going to that as uh, big false lady of that. Um, also, to, are you going to space at
1: all? At all? No, no I'm not no, going no, to no, space. No, 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 trip, no. no trip space.
6: I don't even want to go to fake space. <laughs> okay. I couldn't get in a fake helicopter. I don't want to go to fake space. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but also working with um, some young directors and trying to find, and, you know, trying to source out just some projects. I have this, Courtney and I have a deal with Viacom to bring content and limited series and stories and projects um, to that network and across that platform. So that that's stretching in <laughs> another area, putting on another hat. So that's yeah. that's interesting. Looking forward to that.
1: That's all the time I have with you today, Miss Angela Thank Bassett. You. I we
6: got video games coming out. And let me oh. see. What else? <laughs>
1: oh, don't, don't, don't be dropping all like, good Zero nuggets at the Dawn, end.
6: <laughs> you know. yeah.
1: That's Angela Bassett, one of the stars of Pixar's Soul, which launches Christmas Day on Disney+. Plus. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit.
0: Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring.
4: A laundry?
3: Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: <sighs> ah.